Welcome back to the Snowmobiling Podcast. Uh, today's episode, we're going to have a uh, legend of uh, snowmobile cross-country racing, Bruce Olson. And uh, this interview was done by uh, Hal Armstrong from Snowgoer Canada Magazine. I got Hal on the line. Hal, talk to us about uh, Bruce Olson. Okay, thanks, uh, Gord. Uh, Bruce uh, Olson is an interesting uh, uh, char- uh, character in uh, the history of snowmobile racing. Uh, back in the late 70s, cross-country racing was as big as snowcross is today. And um, Bruce was one of these uh, independent uh, riders uh, racing against all the big factory teams, much like today. Um, and him and his dad used to uh, attend these races. And uh, in the late 70s, I mean, he was in his late teens. And uh, he was racing, uh, he raced John Deere, he raced Polaris. And in 1980, he... Um, I think it was his third third crack at the Winnipeg to St. Paul 500. So just to kind of get the listener's mindset on this, I mean, to win that race back in in that time period was like winning X Games. Um, so it was a big, big race. All the factories were, uh, you know, put a lot of resources into winning that race. Uh, and uh, Bruce Olson was uh, like a 21-year-old, 21-year-old uh, uh, rider, and uh, he was on board uh, the the, uh, the Polaris Indy which was the first year for it in 1980. And uh, the sleds at that time were limited to 55 horse. Um, so anyways, uh, um, Otto Winnipeg, uh, he, uh, uh, when you pick your positions to start, he was in the last, uh, the last leg to go off, so uh, really tough conditions. He had to follow into the, the first day, but uh, he managed to stay into the top ten. And by the uh, second day, it creeped into the top five. The third leg, he was actually had a ten-minute overall lead. And um, so um, he knew that uh, to win the race, he had to just keep the, uh, his main uh, competition, which at that time was Gerard Karpik, um, just in sight of him, and he knew he had to race one. So he, uh, he managed to do that. On the third leg, he really beat his sled up. Um, he was basically running with no suspension on the uh, track. It was bottoming out over every bump he hit. But he was able to keep uh, Karpik uh, in sight of him, and... Uh, at the end, he was only running about 30 miles an hour. He, he crawled across the finish line, and uh, he, you know he won the biggest uh, biggest cross country race of the uh, the day of that era. Little did we know that that was going to be the last Winnipeg to St. Paul uh, I-500. The economy kind of went down the tank, and Articat, as we know, uh, a year later uh, went out of business for a few years. So it was a tough time, but it was also uh, it was also now looking back 35 years later. Um, it was a race that uh, a lot of people wanted to resurrect, and uh, it's happening this year in February. And uh, Bruce Olson is now, you know, 57 years old, and he's the defending champion. And uh, he's going to race the. Uh, he's entered in the race. He's entered in the pro class and the masters class. And uh, his goal is to run hard and finish the race and do as best he can. And uh, been doing a lot of uh, working out, dropped a lot of a lot of weight, and uh, so he's really gunning for it. Uh, he's sponsored by uh, Donahue, uh, Bobby Donahue Sports in Wisconsin, riding a 2015 Skidoo XRS. So he's really pumped about the race, um, and um, we're wishing him good luck. Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, I look forward to uh, seeing the results from uh, that event too. Uh, uh, you know that, that 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 was a phenomenal event. Uh, like you said, the, the manufacturers really backed that event, and there was huge bragging rights for their production sleds when uh, when the, if the, if they did well. So uh, we wish uh, Bruce uh, Olson uh, luck, and um, 
Here's an interview that you did with uh, Bruce Olson, and hope you all enjoy it. And here now is another message from uh, Intrepid Snowmobiler, Craig Nicholson. And remember, you can subscribe to this uh, podcast on iTunes by clicking the subscribe button, and all the past episodes are on there. And also you can follow this podcast at Snowmobiling Podcast on SoundCloud, and you can follow, and also all the episodes are on there too. Very convenient. Hope you enjoy this episode. Bruce Olson. Hello, I'm Craig Nicholson, the Intrepid Snowmobiler, here to go snowmobiling with the Ontario Federation of Snowmobile Clubs. Before using your snowmobile trailer, make sure it's properly registered, plated, and insured. Next, make sure you don't exceed the maximum load capacity of your tow vehicle or trailer to stay legal and avoid penalties that might affect your insurance coverage. Until next time, find out more at IntrepidSnowmobiler.com. That's IntrepidSnowmobiler.com. You know, as it turned out, uh, um, you were the last winner of the Winnipeg to St. Paul, right? So, uh, and of course, back in that time, I guess you had no idea that would be the last time the race would be run, and it's, what's it going to be, like 35 years, right? Yep, 35 years. Yep. And then, uh, back in, uh, it was actually, oh, I've got to think here now, 15 years after I won it, in 80, in 1995, they did go back to Winnipeg again, you know. Yeah, they did a run up in Bozizer, right? Oh, okay. So that was in 95. Okay. Yeah, and I, I was running that. Okay, well... And I finished fifth. Really? And okay. all the four guys that beat me were all factory riders. We had Paige Hibbert, Jeremy Pyle, all 300 cats. Yeah. And Greg Hyde out of South Dakota there that was a factory rider for players. And I only missed it by two minutes. Wow. Yeah. And I know I lost that way. Okay. But that's just, you know, um, in 87, I'm going to lose you here, but I'll call you right back in about three, four minutes. But in 87, I was on a back strike for Chidoo, which drug carving uh, was ahead of it. Yeah. And I actually was the 30th win. It was just a two-day race. Oh, it the first game stop at eight, I was I had fought Nolan Nakamoos who had started first and I was the thirtieth sled out. I had fought him and I was actually winning the race, but then my sled broke. So, so I had some good runs, but twenty goals, you know. Yeah. So um how much uh, racing did you, I guess you were running in the uh, ICCSF like class back in the late 70s then, right? Yeah. So when did you start cross-country racing? 76. 76. Yep, I did uh, three races, but it was the Balsam Lake, uh, Forest Lake, and Sox Center or something like that on a John Deere. Yeah. Then in 78, I rode a liquid fire uh, 
on John Deere and went to Winnipeg, come on to Winnipeg, um, at, at the end of the four-day race, I was the third best John Deere rider out of the 200-some sleds that John Deere had entered in that race. And only two guys that beat me on the John Deere were the two factory riders, of course. Yeah. I finished 16th, I believe. Wow. That was in 78. In 79, I was on a Flares TXC coming out of Winnipeg. I actually was sitting in third place at the end of the first day. And starting out that second day, I crashed. I actually was leading the racer out in front, but I pulled my tether cord out, and I crashed. So I got behind everybody over the snow dust. Yeah. And I was trying to work my way up through all the snow dust, and I hit a end of a, a, a ditch. And uh, I didn't know I was down the bottom of the ditch. And I busted the sled up pretty good, and I didn't finish the course, come back in 80 and won it. So, so what kind of, uh, uh, pre so for, for hello? Go ahead. Yeah. So, so what I'm trying to, to do with this story then is yep. kind of give an idea to, you know, the average guy that's a trail rider might think he's a real, you know, hot shot rider, what it takes to prepare for a race like this back in the day and even today. And, you know, I mean, was it go, you know, balls to the wall the whole way, or did you have to kind of pace yourself and, and pick the guys that you were going to try and, you know, maybe tag along behind and then hopefully pick your spots? What was it like? What kind of preparation did you do first, you know, physically to get in shape for that race? And then well, how about sled prep? Well, as far as getting in shape back then, you know, you're young, you don't have to get in shape. You just gotta have, you know. Um, you just gotta pick your way. You don't wanna overdo it to where you're gonna crash all the time, you know. Yeah. Um, it's just one of those things that you just gotta pace yourself and, and try to keep picking sleds off now and then. You know, you see somebody in front of you, you know, you gotta just keep working your way up to them, you know. Mm-hmm. And good eyesight helped. I had a, you know, I had good eyesight back then. Uh, far as, you know, when I was, you know, back in those days, uh, I just primarily just got on the sled and rode it. I didn't really do no, I didn't have no training or did no workout. Mm -hmm. I guess the best thing is it, just do a lot of riding. Yeah, get used to the sled. You know. So what kind of a what kind of a, a, a crew did you have to support you for that race? I just had my brother uh, David. Um, he just helped me on all my years of racing, and uh, that was primarily it. So, um, and then you know back then you know it was like a a family. Everybody went every weekend, and you you know you got to know people, and you know. Yeah, so you kind of exchanged ideas, you know. So going into that race, you would probably run about what two or three races on the on the circuit before the before the I five hundred. Yep. Yep. So that yeah. year, 
that year in uh, Winnipeg, that was the first year for the uh, the Indy, right? So, do you remember your impressions, like after riding John Deere or, or the TXC in '79, and and John Deere's, and then and then going to this? Had you seen the Polaris factory guys on the prototypes the year before running them, or? No, didn't see not. I didn't see the sled until it showed up at my dealer. I had a local dealer that sponsored me, so it was actually his sled, and he kind of did the connection to Polaris. Uh, Polaris told him off. He got a driver. Uh put them on an Indy, and uh, I never even rode the sled hardly that much. I let my wife bring the sled in, sure, right? As I, uh, I didn't uh, race it uh, hardly any. Uh, I was actually running the TXC at the other races. Yeah. So you're still running like an 80 TXC, so it was kind of... Uh... The, the front end, you were probably kind of leery whether or not it would even stand up, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, once you got on, it, it was like, you know, it's about, like, how should I put it? Like, uh, you know, the older sled nowadays, or back then, jumping on that one, it's like jumping on that one and going to do one now, you know. Yeah. They're so much better. Yeah, yeah. So what kind of a, 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 a day, like step me through the you know, uh, the race like back then in, in Winnipeg. You show up, what, a couple days before the start of the race and, and get registered? Like how did it uh, how did it all start and how did they pick your starting places and that? I remember, oh, we just showed up the day before the race. Uh, actually, my dad and mom hauled me up there. Remember, it was a car to flat that trailer. That's all we had. And uh, I can remember it was 50 below zero calm. That was the, the temperature of the wet take. We had to leave the cars all night long. Yeah. And I started out at last, last heat of the pro class, which was probably an advantage to me because the ditches are wider. Spread out more, right? Pick uh, your line, uh, and I think I was back in. Oh, I turned all my sheets, and I think I was back at eleventh or so at the end of the first day. Okay. And they did a flip flop at the start line. The guy that started out last the first day got to start first the second day. All that the ditches get narrower, uh, a little bit more tighter trail, and I went from 11th to 1st and that day at the best time, and then, of course, after that, start the third day, you go by time, okay. and I started out first, and I just managed it, you know, uh, down to Alexandria, and then, of course, at the end of the first day, or second day, or first day was they're only do safety equipment on this sled. Second day was a two-hour work period. Um, my sled looked good, so I didn't do nothing to the sled. Um, I uh, just kind of looked things over and didn't change nothing. So the shocks and the springs and everything were all still intact, no problems. Didn't 
no didn't, problem. Didn't break anything. And when I got, got to Alexandria at the end of the third day, it showed it. They were, I had a broken front shock right half of the suspension. One of my coil leaf springs at the back were gone. So my sled was sitting totally on the ground. Wow. End of the third day, we still had the fourth day to ride yet. Um, I'm in my yard now. I have a driving semi here. I just got back to the yard all corn. Anyway, uh, what do we do now? The third day is just safety equipment again, and there's nothing that we could do. I'm sitting in first place, 185 miles basically to go. Um, everybody says, why are you even starting out? You're not going to finish. I said, I'm in first place. I'll ride it until it don't go no more. And of course, the track was ratcheting. I had to put it in loose snow for to keep it so that the track could slip so it wouldn't ratchet on the drive club. And I just rode that whole distance that way with no suspension. And I finished. Um, everybody thought that I wasn't going to finish, so they thought Carpet had won the race because he, he actually beat me in. But I was like the 20th sled in, but I just let the guys go by me because I knew where I was at. I just had to finish the race, you know, because I had enough of a time built up where I could let guys go by me, you know. Right. So, the... My son was pretty well busted up. Uh, it always looked like a banana. Hmm. Um, it was, everything was full. And uh, I just, I got lucky, I guess. Yeah. The which part of the of the race did you find the toughest, and which part did you did, are you did you excel at? Were you more a ditch guy, or were you more uh, through the bush? Uh, what which part of the uh, of the race uh, uh, did you find the hardest? And uh, and the which second day, I you know got out front, and that was my fastest day at that time, and you know I easy going. That was part of my so is that mostly ditch running, or what is it? It was a combination of everything. Ditch, woods, river, uh, everything. Um, the first day I look at it is even like this year, knowing where the trail is, basically running on the same course that we ran back in 80. Because I looked at the map, you know. Yeah. So the first day is all pretty much all wide open ditches, uh, fields, you know up there coming out of Canada and the Minnesota. Mm -hmm. um, it's probably the easiest day. And then the second day, it gets a little tighter because you're in ditches and lakes and you're starting to get into the uh, forest, you know, woods, trails, a lot more of uh, the ditches are narrow, yeah. deeper. Uh, third day is probably going to be the toughest coming out of Bemidji because you got a lot of more trail, you know, ditches, trails, you know, where, you know, anything can happen there, you know, miss a corner or hit a tree or something. So how, how, how well is the course marked? Is it easy to get lost or is it pretty straightforward? No, it, they, they got it marked well. Okay. So it's it's well marked. I mean, I guess you can blow by a corner and miss it, but uh, oh yeah. But uh, I, I got lost uh, 
onto the lake, and I could see the, the road went out around on the lake and come back like a, a U. And I could see the signs over across the lake on the road, but when I went straight down onto the lake, there was supposed to be a, a sign pointing me over to the boat landing. I'm going straight ahead over to those other signs on that road. I can't get out because there's a five barbed wire fence there. Mm. And I'm looking at how do I get over out of this field? You know, I'm back up out of the lake or a little mud pond, you know, or a little, just a little pond it was. Mm-hmm. Probably a 20 acre pond. And uh, when I realized I had the helicopter above me and they seen that I was having problems. And they knew where the trail was because they could see the sign had fell down. And that once I got out of there, I did backtrack a little bit and went along the fence so I found a place where I could get through. They sat down and put the sign back up for the other guys behind me. And they did give me credit for some minutes lost there at the driver's meeting. Oh, okay. You know, but that, that's, you know, not, that's not always going to happen, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. I did get a few minutes back. How old were you when you won the race? 21. Wow. And then when I finished in 30, when I was 35, and let's see, 80, 15 years later, 1995, yep, I finished, uh, I was 35 then, something like that. Yeah. 35 or 37. Yeah. Now, of course, I'm, oh, I'm 57 now. And I signed up for both classes, the pro class. I'm going to ride that. And then the 50 and over. Okay. And what kind of sled are you going to run? Go ahead. What sled are you going to ride? I am riding uh, XRS. You do. Okay. Do you run on a long track, a renegade, or a short track? No, it'll be just a regular short track. Okay. XRS. Yeah. Uh, 600 there. So what kind of preparation are you going to do for this year? Just lots of riding? Um, well, start with in August when I kind of signed the contract for schedule with Tom Lawrence there. I've been up the last couple weeks. I've lost 40 pounds. And I bicycled every day, 14 and a half miles. Mm-hmm. When I first started this out, it was taking me two hours. I'm down to an hour now. So you lost uh, 40 pounds? Yep. Wow. So what were you, uh, what did you do? How did you change your diet? No pop, no mm-hmm. ketchup, yep. no bread, and no butter. <laughs> wow. Well, that's fantastic. Holy smokes. I'm riding in the bluffs. We're in uh, the non-glacier area here in Wisconsin. So you're riding a road bike or a mountain bike? Yeah, I'm riding a mountain bike. And, yeah. Uh, it, it's, now I, I miss it. I want to get out. i got to start doing something else, you know. Yeah. I haven't I've lost my weight, but uh, i got to keep working out. 
I'm surprised you're not riding a gonna ride a Polaris in it this year after winning it well, the last time. Um, I didn't make no contacts with uh, Polaris. I, you know, I thought about it. I'm sure I could have rode an Arctic Cat. I, you know, mm-hmm. I did well on that. And uh, I guess it was a matter of I called Bobby about buying a sled and seeing what they had for a sled for that race and he kind of you know he gave a good uh i guess uh or what what i want to say bobby did a good uh he he went the bat for me or whatever you know yeah Right. Um, when uh, I used to help a young guy do the snow cross, the pro class. Okay. And that's uh, no Tom then. But uh, I just thought going back to Winnipeg, I always liked, liked the race. And Brian Nelson just did a good job of getting it restarted again. And I just kind of like to support it, you know? Yeah. Uh, so when you. It's going to be fun. Oh, yeah. It's going to be. It's going to be really good. I mean, just, you know, I mean, you don't even have to finish. You don't even have to, you know, go crazy. I mean, just, just, you know, just to finish, it'll be awesome, right? Yeah. Yeah. That guy's going to have to ride steady. Yeah. You know, you can't win the race picking yourself up, you know, out of a snowbank or out of, a, you know, a crash. You just got to ride cautiously all the time. Yeah. Okay. And I plan on riding the whole race without touching my sled. Wow. <laughs> That's basically what I did back in 80, and I think sleds are better now than they were. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So what was the what was the weather like back in uh, 80 that year? Was it, was it uh, really cold, or was it a mild winter? No, it was cold. Yeah? Actually, it, I, it was 50 below zero. Mm-hmm. When you started out? Wow. Yeah. The day out of Winnipeg, it was, like I said, my dad left our car run all night long because yeah. it was so cold, you probably wouldn't have the vehicle started. Yeah. And my brother David actually was racing a race too right then. And he actually ended up freezing his eyeballs. Wow. I mean, did you, have, did you have handlebar heaters and stuff on the sleds oh, yeah. then? Yep. And then I guess... Handlebar heaters, lots of duct tape. Yeah. And then I guess with the Indies back then, the, the heat exchange was run to the running board, so they kept your feet warm. Yep. Yep. Um, no, it was, uh, it was a, a cold race. Very cold. So at the end of the, at the, uh, at the, end of the day... Um, Tell me what 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 was the procedure? You guys would run, take you what two or three hours to do a leg, and then uh, uh, just back straight back to the motel room, and then just chill out and well, get get ready for the next day. Or what was it? Step me through what you'd you end know, up well, doing. You come in and you kind of waited around for everybody to get in, and yeah, you probably went 
period that you had to work on, you know? Yep. And by that time, I thought I'd get towards the end of the day, you know, just before dark. And then you went back to the motel room, and then you went, you always had a driver's meeting, you know, in the evening. Okay. Uh, go find a hot tub, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> You know, you always hear you always hear about uh, a lot of you know uh, people being uh, disgruntled and stuff like that. Seeing guys road running and all that. Did that actually take place? Like in these meetings where people were accusing other guys of cheating and cutting cutting the the, the course and stuff, or no? some of the big names you were racing against back in the day that were the real uh, um, you know top uh, top competitors So did the factory guys really back in the uh, still in like eighty? Did they still have a? Were they riding on better equipment? You think better shocks and stuff, or were they just uh, just better tuned sleds? Well, in eighty there was not much for factory left. John Deere had pulled the key. Artie Cat had a. I think they were out of it too. Yeah, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the standings here, and there was the top cat was Doug Oster. He finished fifteenth. Yeah, he was probably the only arty cat that I can remember. Yeah, I think arty cat was going down. Yeah, arty cat was going in trouble then. Yeah. Yeah, they were in trouble. Um, Looks like a few guys. Who Jomar Burnett, yeah. Was he? How was he for a rider? Tough, tough ride. He was good. Yeah. You know, he was sitting in second place when I was in first place at the end of the first day. And he, chances are, he would have probably finished or won the race, but he had crashed. And he had cut the radiator or the upper coolant hose that goes into the top of the head. Somehow I got a little cut in it, and he lost all his coolant. Okay. And uh, it's as far as he got. Yeah. About halfway through the last day. But his stuff was like new because they were at the end of that second day during the work period. Of course, back to guys, they replaced everything on his sled. 
So you could, so the rules then, you could put a new truck, you could replace anything you wanted except the motor. Right. Or a piston or whatever. And I don't know about the track, but you could replace shocks. Yeah. And what was the entry fee? How much did it cost to enter, and what was first prize? $500 it was to enter back then. I remember that. So it was expensive. Uh, no, it's $750, I think, right now. Yeah. For this year. But so, uh, 500 I think I won $6,700 cash. And then I got some other uh, stuff from Flares. Flares give you a new sled for the next year? Or? No, I didn't get a new sled for next year. I did get one to ride. Yeah, they did give me one, but I had to turn it back in. Okay. okay. Yeah. And uh, I'm trying to think here. That's what it was. I actually won more money in 95 finishing fifth than I did when I won it in 1980. Wow. Huh. I, yeah. And I do remember, but, you know. Looks like, a Looks like a lot of guys were running Yamahas back then, too. The SR, SR, SRVs? Yeah, there was a few. Okay. So was it uh, were the were the sleds at that in 1980 were they limited to like the 56 horsepower? Yep. Okay. 340, 56 horsepower. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, like I tell everybody now, I said no. Our top speed was 80 miles an hour, and that same bump that you probably hit nowadays, which you know, 65, 70 miles an hour. And that, that bump back then wasn't so bad, but now that same bump traveling at, you know, probably sleds are capable of going 80 or 90 pretty easy. Yeah. It's going to make a lot of difference. Yeah. You know, um, it, it's not going to be easy. I don't plan on winning the race. I just plan on having fun. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. What uh, what number was your sled then, back in eighty when you won? Do you remember? Uh, number twenty. Number twenty. Okay, so I've got an old race and rally here that's got a picture of you then right at the start line, number twenty. It looks like you were wearing your like a John Deere leather outfit, leather yeah. suit, like your Bates yeah. leather with the yellow in that. Yep. Is that I had a John Deere leather suit. Yeah.
they wouldn't really needed it, you know. Yeah. So, um, yep, I was wearing my John Deere leather that I had when I uh, wore back in 78. I got that suit with the John Deere liquefier. That was a black and black and yellow and red and orange or whatever. Mm-hmm. And sled. It was a cross-country one. I wore it in 79 when I was writing my players. Back then, you know, you didn't have a lot of sponsorship, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, probably for your family to, to run a truck and stay in hotel rooms and do the whole thing, it was almost almost like a break-even affair, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? Cover over your sled on the back, and away you go. Yeah, I was open and really, yeah, it was just open trailer, no cover, no nothing. Was there gas stops along the way back then, or was it just point to point? You had enough fuel to get to your stop. The, uh, the race has got gas stops along the way, like they got this year. Okay, so, so they have a, a gas stop every so many miles. So was there ever issues of, like, I've always heard issues where some guys were short-fueled and stuff like that. Was that was that an issue, like you're in a big excitement, big hurry to get in, to get the fuel in? Uh, what was, like, a fuel stop like? No, normally there was never no problem. Um, I did run out of gas back in the 90s uh, coming out of Thunder Bay. I either got all foam and, and I didn't make the finish line. There was a couple years back in those races that uh, guys have run out of gas. Did you ever finish the, the Thunder Bay to, to, to yeah. wipe? Yeah? Yep. So which course did you find tougher, the Winnipeg to St. Paul or the other way? Oh, I think the Thunder Bay one was tougher. Yeah. A lot more hills, a lot of trail. more bush. Yeah, it's all North Shore Trail. Yeah. Yeah. And so, the year in '87, as I was telling you, Nolan wanted that year. Yeah. I spent two weeks riding that trail up and down. That's all I did. Wow. Bottom to the top, up and down. Once we left out of Thunder Bay, I was the second sled into the gas stop, and Gerard Carpet was there, and he said, "Well, whatever you're doing, you got to race one. Just keep doing that, because Nolan." was the first sled out and him as fast time but then I come in and I was the second sled in. Okay. And when I left out of that gas stop, Nolan was right ahead of me and I was just following him. And I actually front end let go. Um uh one of the upper radius rods broke. Oh, shit. On the front end. What were you running then? Okay. Yeah. Silver one, your big heavy. What year was this? What year was this? Eighty-seven. Yeah, eighty-seven. Oh yeah. So it was the old. Uh, yeah, it was the the skidoo, the first independent skidoo. Yeah. The big heavy uh, PRS suspension and yeah. Yeah. MXZ or something you would have been running. Yeah. 
Yeah. And Nolan was on uh, Indy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is he running the, uh, the the race this year from Winnipeg or no? I have no idea. Don't know, eh? So of the guys that you raced with back back in 80, who else do you know is going to uh, do the race? Nobody that I know of. Really? Um, so Guy Useldinger, Dan Inns, none of those guys are, are going to uh, participate? Not that I know of. Wow. I Oh, so hats off to you for, for doing it. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I, I would, uh, I know Bobby Enns is getting inducted in the Hall of Fame that weekend. Yeah. Um, so I know he'll be in Wisconsin, and I was going to go to that, but now we'll have to be leaving that Monday. So they're going to be, so you're going to run with the pro guys, the young guys, and then you're also entered in like the master's class, I guess, right? Yep, 15 over. Now, is there a vintage class also this year? Yeah, I think there is. There, I, think, I don't know if there's really, I can't say, don't, don't, don't quote me on this because I don't know. Yeah. So you still do a lot of riding then, trail riding and stuff? I go not too much around our uh, area, uh, maybe one or twice a year. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, uh, I groom, me and my brother, we groom 250 miles of trails in our area. Oh, okay. Kind of in charge of the groomers. Okay. So how do you like riding in the mountains? I like it. That's primarily why I go out because I got all mountains. So okay. Yeah. Yeah. I go out. Uh, I I go out every year to Yellowstone for uh, snowshoot. And uh, you know I've been, I'm I'm around the same age as you are, um, and uh, so done a lot of. Got in a lot of snowmobiling. Uh, mostly, I did oval racing back in the seventies. Actually, lived in Beausager. Where did you live? I lived in Beausager back in those days. Oh, up in northern Minnesota. Up in uh, outside of uh, Man outside of Winnipeg, where they have the oh, okay. the big races there. So when I go out west to Yellowstone on these mountain sleds, I find it a real. I mean, it's it's a whole different way of riding, isn't it? It's a whole different, you know. The guys out there call us Sasslanders out here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's 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 different. That's for sure. Yeah, I guess. Uh, uh, I, you know, I raced with Jamie back in those days. Jamie Anser. 
Yeah. And two or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But you must not be too far from Oak Bluff then. Are you on the right side of Yeah, where I where I was living back then. I, I'm not living out that way now, but that but at the time, yeah, I was just uh Oak Bluff's kind of west and I was kind of north uh, east of Winnipeg. Oh, okay. So uh, opposite side of the opposite city. side, but yeah, same type of thing. Yeah. I have all kinds of stuff, and I took it all up to the Hall of Fame. Prior to this spring here, we had lights at our house, and where all my trophies and everything was in that room, the fire followed the natural gas line in. Yeah. And it started our house on fire. Oh, crap. So, uh, everything kind of got messed up. You still got your trophy from the I-500? Oh, that's good. That was the only thing I made the fire department go down in that room and find it. Of course, they're, they're bringing out all these little trophies. I said, no, I don't want that one. Yeah. I want my big one. It's wow. back in that corner. you got to go down in there and get it. They wouldn't let me go. I know I could walk right to it. And then they brought it out, and there was a little... It got broke when they were bringing it up or somehow. But I had it repaired, so you can't really tell no difference. Okay, cool. Yeah, I could never... Personally, I could never do snow cross. Yeah. I don't like that people being so, close to me like that. Yeah, guys that's landing on top of you. And, that's why I like cross country. Yeah. And, um, could never do snow cross. And, uh, of course, the way these guys go nowadays, you almost got to be a snow cross driver to... Yeah, you're standing up a lot on them now. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, standing up. Yeah. Okay, Bruce, it was great talking to you. Uh, look forward to that picture. I'll send you an email. Check yeah. check it at your wife. And whatever you got, send a, a two or three, whatever you got, and we'll we'll have a look. And and if we can yeah, use one of them, I'll, I'll use them. I'll try to get something to you. Okay. Um, see what I come up with here. Any other memories of the race back in the day? I mean, you see these pictures of guys, you know, you know, flat out going down the ditches, hitting the culverts, flying over the culverts, you know, uh, was that your style of riding? What was that again? I said, when you see the video of the back in the day, you, you see the riders, you know, hitting the culverts in the, in the ditches and, you know, doing 30, 40 foot type of jumps over top of the roads and... Was yep. that was that your type of style, just straight to the handlebar, or were you more uh, a thinking type of rider? Oh, probably both. Yeah. You gotta be thinking and and try to read what uh, what's gonna happen, you know. Yeah, especially so, yeah. especially when you get that uh, flat light where it's hard to see the the moguls and stuff. Yeah. I have Western Power Sports uh, lot, uh, out of Idaho there. Western Power Sports, okay. So yeah. both, both, your, both your sponsors? Yeah. Okay. I've got sponsorship through them. Mm -hmm. And I have, uh, you know, like fly racing, uh, helmets and stuff. Yeah. Goggles, I'll be wearing that. Yeah. Uh, of course, all the other stuff.
modifications are you allowed to make to the sled? Any? Well, you know, as far as I know, we can change tracks. Okay. Uh, that's about it, you know. What about the skis and that? You know, I'm trying to determine if I want to run C and A skis or, or, or what I'm going to run for skis. Yeah. And I haven't heard that we can change skis yet. Okay. Pretty good sled the way it is. <laughs> right. <laughs> and if, if a race would ever come out where you take your sled and start it at the start line and no work to be done on it whatsoever. Yeah. The guy that makes it from start to finish with no work. Yeah. To me, that's a race. Yeah. And then that eliminates all the factory or whatever. Yeah. So if you were looking for, if you were, if you were going to be, um, you know, if you were going to pick a young guy now to, to run the I-500, um, and you were going to be as like his mentor, like, you know, give him tips and, and get him prepared and that, what, what type of, what type of rider, what kind of person would you be looking for that makes a good cross country rider? Like, you think the snowcross guys have an advantage over the cross-country guys, or you need to be uh, good, you know, mechanically, uh, you know, know your machine well? I guess, you know, just an overall good rider. Mm -hmm. uh, younger, uh, you know, I guess in your early 20s, you know, or late teens, you know. Uh, you know, right around that 20 is a good age. Mm -hmm. So, um, I guess, uh, just somebody that's dedicated, you know, to the sport. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, when you think back in those days when you were, uh, you know, racing, I guess it'd be almost full time. I mean, you probably logged a lot of miles during the week on your sled getting ready, would you? And then head to the races? Tuesday, Wednesday, we worked on our sled, tore them down. Mm -hmm. Thursday was our test day. And Wednesday, we went race, or Friday, we went to the races. We either raced on Saturday and Sunday, you know? Yeah. Um, because all these were cross country events, like 250 miles uh, uh, in that area for mileage. Yeah. I mean, you were really racing back in those days, really in the heyday of cross country, right? I mean, it was like every yeah. weekend there was something. There, you know, some some of the races were on lakes. Yeah. They used the shoreline because all well, in '81 and '82 there was no snow. Right. So they put a lot of the races on the lakes. And then we just got to be a big Le Mans, you know. Yeah. 
what do you think killed cross country? Because for a while there in the mid '80s, and that, like you know, after the Winnipeg St. Paul, it kind of, kind of petered out a little bit until '87, I guess, when the Thunder Bay race came back on. But for a while there, it was kind of like it disappeared, right? Right, and that's when snowcross started again. Yeah. That's the, there was races in '81, '82, and then the snowcross started like I think in '84, '83. Yeah, started some of the snow cross car pick at Alec. You know, they started building those little tracks at some of the oval races, and yeah, yep. Better for the better for the spectator because they got to see all the jumps and the you know. Yeah, oh, that, definitely that is by far the best show that you could see is at the snow cross races. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All gets back to who's got the bigger, uh, what I want to say, the bigger uh, pocketbook behind them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, God, I was going to say something here and I forget. It's like it comes to my mind and I forgot about it and I come back to me. Hmm. This year, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, they unveiled it up there at the ADs. Yeah, they've got that cross yeah. country. Yeah. You got one of the yellow and the orange. You don't like that. Well, 
not none of that on the sled. Oh, really? Uh, no. Uh, the the uh, organi- race organization, you cannot have no orange on the sled, only drivers. Oh. So that XRS is all that plastic. It's got to be changed at my cost. The rails on the skid frame has got to be painted. Really? The handle's got to be painted. Yeah. Wow. And all extra cost out of my pocketbook that I didn't really realize that had to be done. Yeah. So after I signed up, and, well, okay, live and learn is what you call it. <laughs> but uh, Donahue Super Sport and I'm Lauren got together and they're doing the changes on what plastic has to be changed. And uh, I think it's going to be black and yellow. Yeah. What this sled will look like. Okay. And uh, it'll be done professionally. Yeah. Hobby is that way. Yeah. And uh, so I I give a, a big hand to Bobby over there, you know, for what he's doing. So are they going to be uh, giving you support along the way? No, no. Uh, just, just get this like, prepped and everything. You know, kind of. I'll be doing the final prep, but they're doing all these changes and getting the, the rails painted and, and the plastic all changed over. Yeah. They're taking care of that as leadership. Okay. Uh, just what I go pick the sled up and then I'll have a bill there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. stories where if you weren't riding a Polaris or an Articat because you were riding through their hometowns you were <laughs> yeah. shortchanged on gas and stuff but uh, yeah but that was a different time so okay well I'm gonna let you go so uh, okay. um, good talking to you and uh, look forward to, to getting a couple picks from you hopefully for the story and uh, and um, yeah we'll be talking Yep. What's your weather like up in your area right now? 
Well, I'm up. I'm up in Canada. I'm up in Ontario. We got uh, we had quite a bit of snow there last week, but then we got the rain. So we got some more snow now, but uh, yeah, we got about maybe two or three inches on the ground. That's about it. It's cold, but that's that's about it. Oh boy! Wow. And we're just like the last month we get snow, and then we get one or two warm days and melt snow off the corn and go again. But then we got some more snow again, and uh, I mean that could be right flat around our bean field. You know, there's three, four inches. It's pretty nice around here. Mm. I mean, yeah. Early. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be another good winter. I well, tell you the truth, I hope it melts right now. The time being. Yeah. Sounds good. Check your uh, wife's e check your wife's email. Just you'll have uh, hopefully it goes through and you'll have my contact there. So. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Good. Okay. Bye. It's a long time ago, but it doesn't seem that long ago. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, what is it? No, 80. No, it's... Uh, yeah, it's going to be 35 years. 2015. Yeah, 35. Yeah. I think you're... It's unreal. Going on. It's too many. Well, like I said, I went back to Winnipeg 15 years later, and now I'm going back uh, uh, 35 years later. Yeah. Uh, from the time I won it, so... Yeah. Well, Brian, Brian Dick, but maybe his uh, maybe his dad's running it. Yeah, he's sixty-two years old. Okay. I think he's running it. Okay. Oh, I bet you there'll be a lot of guys. I'll, I'll, if I live closer there, I think I'd do it just to say I ran it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I'm where I am now. I'm up near Toronto, so it's a. It's a. It, it's a long hike from there, so yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, it is. But. Um, other, I you know, fly or what's the power sports that talk to Nathan Titus, yeah, I've heard of his name, yeah. Um, well, I talked to him, so none of those guys like Titus or Jack Struthers, none of them are signed up to do it, eh. Yeah. Uh, he did just kind of angle to me that if things would work out, he thought 
you know, there's a lot to prepare for. You know, you got to, you know, uh, get signed up. It's just, there's more to this than just... Oh, than just showing up with your snowmobile. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, getting it all ready. And there's a lot of logistics. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, I'll let you go. I'll let you go, and uh, we'll talk in the future here shortly. All right, thanks. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. That concludes this episode of the uh, Snowman Podcast with uh, Hal Armstrong and Bruce Olson. Um, that was uh, that was great to, to hear about that. Uh, Bruce being the, the past uh, winner, the defending champion of the, of that race after the long uh, laps. So I uh, uh, haven't heard the uh, the end of uh, of, of this. Uh, we're going to uh, try to pursue uh, trying to get the race director on uh, to talk about uh, uh, bringing this race back. So uh, stay tuned, and uh, we'll hopefully bring that uh, to you. So. This is Gorda Van from Snowwind Podcast, and we'll talk to you soon.